0: Hello, Mr. Lloyd. I found the button and I pushed the sucker. <laughs> you guys know what we're doing with this. Bill is is taking the recording of the Sunday message and he downloads it on the podcast that we have under Alpha Ministries. If you've got an iPhone, you just go to uh, your little podcast button on your screen. You can find it. like I did. And push the button and you can look up alpha ministries and get last Sunday's or this Sunday's message. So we're doing that in conjunction with the live streaming just to try to get the word out, okay? So the podcast kind of take the the place of the old cassette tape ministry, if you remember that, you know, we used to record the sermons and then we would send out cassette tapes of the sermons. So now you got it right there on your iPhone or if you don't have an iPhone on some smartphone you can get it. And that's the extent of my technology knowledge right there. So let me get back to something I know about. And that's the difference between the Old and New Covenant. And so we all grew up under the Old Covenant. All of us. That's a contract of laws. A contract of rules and regulations. And the contract, depending on who you made that contract with, might have been your parents. They said, if you behave yourself, I'll bless you, or at least not curse you. Make a contract with the teachers. You make a contract with society. And even make that same contract with God who says, under the law, if you keep His commandments, He'll bless you. But if you don't keep His commandments, He's going to curse you. Now the problem with that old covenant, our author of Hebrews has already told us in chapter 8, is it didn't work even though if there was promised blessings, they never got them because they never could behave themselves. And I'm not going to go back through the whole historical thing to prove it to you again out of the Old Testament Scriptures where the Israel as a nation is an example of people trying to keep the law to save themselves. And the best they could do The very best they were able to do led them to cry, crucify Him when Jesus appeared. Now we've already talked about that kind of attitude and what our author back in chapter 6 warned us about. Warned us about falling away from grace as a lifestyle back under the law. He says it's impossible to renew those kind of people again to repentance. Now thankfully, what's impossible for us it is possible with God. And He does that every time we fall from grace back under the law. He'll bring us around because of this new covenant. This new covenant that we're studying has three main promises in it. We're going to uh, focus on the second promise here this, this morning. Last week I focused on the first promise first promise was He said, I am going to put My law in your mind. And I'm going to write it on your hearts. In other words, the implication there is God said, I'm going to make you behave. I'm going to make you do what I want you to do. Paul picked up on that when he says, work out your own salvation for it is God who works in you both to will, want to, And to do His good pleasure. Now thankfully God makes us do what He wants us to do for our sake. Now I know that might offend your pride a little bit. But I don't mean to offend your pride at all. I mean to shatter your pride. Because that pride is what keeps you away from God. So, first promise. God says, I'm going to write my law on your heart. The second promise we're considering this morning is the fact that he said, you're not going to have need that anyone teach you about me. There's not going to be any need for a brother to tell his other brothers, know the Lord. Know the Lord. Nobody needs to teach you. So let me read it to you here out of chapter 8. He said, and they, in verse 11, they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. Now this promise kind of bounces off the last phrase, the last sentence of the previous verse, in verse 10, where he says, I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. What does that mean? That means there's going to be a special relationship between you and God. A special relationship that other people may not have. A relationship peculiar to you as God's people and Him as your God. That special relationship is what we want to focus on this morning. That special relationship is the knowledge of God that He promises we'll have. So based on that, He goes on to say in the first part of uh, verse 11, And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, the Lord. Now this doesn't mean that Teachers are going to become obsolete. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about something far deeper than what teachers are able to do. You see, I stand up here every Sunday and I teach you from the Word of God. I teach whoever will listen, primarily myself. Okay. I'm telling Cleve and Tony a minute ago, you know, I when I preach, I preach to myself. Now, if you guys get anything out of it, that's God Okay, between you and Him. A teacher can tell you the truth. A teacher can demonstrate that truth from the Scriptures. But he can't make you believe it. He can't click that light bulb on in your mind in which you receive it. Only God can do that. And this is what He's promising right here in the second promise of the new covenant. God says, you'll all know Me. From the least to the greatest. From the youngest to the oldest. From the most humble to the most acclaimed. It doesn't matter. It's a great leveler. When God speaks and you hear Him, It levels the playing field. Now, Jesus illustrated that throughout his life. In talking about this special relationship that is promised here, you'll be my people and I'll be your God. In talking about that, Jesus referred to God as his Father. That is a close, intimate, personal relationship. The relationship between the father and the son. With the father and the child. That's a beautiful relationship. An intimate, personal relationship. And Jesus referred to God as His Father. Constantly throughout His ministry. Plus, not only that, He went on to tell His disciples and all who would believe on Him that that same God who was His Father was their Father as well. Personal relationship, guaranteed. You're going to have a personal, intimate relationship with God as your Father. Now most people naturally being raised up under the law system of one sort or another, one flavor or another, Most people don't see God as their Father. Did you know that? No. The result of that legal system they've been raised up makes God your judge. It makes God the one who condemns you. It makes God the one who finds fault with you because you've transgressed His law. Under the old covenant, God is your judge. Under the new covenant, God is your Father. Now, also in terms of this intimate relationship that Jesus lived out on this earth, in His ministry, He referred to the Father and He as being one. And the greatest promise of this new covenant, in my estimation, is that you can become one with Jesus and the Father. You're together with them, no separation. And so, this intimate relationship that's promised here in the new covenant is amazing when you began to understand what he's talking about. I kept hearing this song echoed over and over in my mind. It's a little, little song, a modern praise song, I think. And relax, I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> Chill out, Cleve, I'm not going to sing it. But it's actually a quote from 1 John chapter 3. Verse 1 it says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. That we should be called His children. To enter into that relationship is one of the greatest privileges known to humanity. For you to become a child of God. Now John in his Gospel actually tells us that as many as believed on Jesus, even though He was rejected, as He goes on to say, as many as believed on Him, He gave them the power, the authority to become the children of God. See, that relationship, that intimate relationship between you and God is the second promise of the new covenant. Now, in addition to that, Jesus also tells us the means by which that relationship will occur. And that is, the Spirit of God, living in that brand new person He has made you to be, will speak to you personally and convince you that you are the child of God. Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 8 that His Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. In other words, His Spirit reveals to us who we really are. Now, that revelation is a personal revelation. One of the greatest illustrations of that happened when Jesus took a little retreat. took His disciples in a little retreat about halfway through His public ministry up to Caesarea Philippi. And there he asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? And of course they were polite, telling them, well, you're like Jeremiah, you're like one of the prophets, you know, etc., etc. What they didn't say is the religious folks think you're a half-breed Samaritan possessed by a demon. (laughs) They didn't tell them that. But then he said, who do you say that I am? And it was then that Peter, I call him Brother Mouth, he was always open in his mouth, he stood up and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen. And Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. You didn't get this idea from human wisdom we academia. But my Father, which is in heaven, told you. See, when God speaks to you personally and directly in fulfillment of the second promise of the new covenant, everything changes. God, talking directly to you as His people, And you, recognizing God as your God, is that intimate relationship that He promises here in the new covenant. It's going to happen. Because He promised it. Now Jesus, again, on the night before He was crucified, He tells us how this promise actually is being fulfilled. It's being fulfilled through the personal ministry and work of His Spirit, whom He called the Comforter that He was going to send to you. He said to His disciples, who were naturally freaked because He told them He was leaving them, He said, I'm not going to leave you like orphans floundering around on this earth without knowing what to do or where to go or what to say without a Father. I'm not going to leave you without support, he said, in essence. I'm going to send you another of the same kind of comforter I've been to you. He called him the spirit of truth. And he told him, now the world's not not going to recognize him. The world can't see him. They don't know him. But you know him because he's been with you and shall be in you. That's the witness in you. The testimony in you from God that you are His child. That is the basis of your security in Him. The fact that the Spirit of God is working in you. And He went on in that context to tell us what He was going to do. He said He's going to come in, dwell in you, and He's going to teach you You see why He said you'll not have need that any man teach you or teach his brother? Why? Because you've got the Spirit of God to teach you. It's the same thing that John spoke of when he said you don't have need that men teach you because you've got an anointing from God. He is talking to you. He is communicating with you. He is teaching you. And not only is He going to teach you, He's going to guide you into all truth. You want to know the truth about yourself you want to know the truth about others you want to know the truth about god that's the function of the spirit living in you to guide you into all truth not only that and this is one of my favorites especially it's it's getting to be more my favorite now he's going to remind you how many people need to be reminded hmm? Yep. I went into the room the other day. I stood there for a moment and said, what did I come in here for? I needed to be reminded, right? But it's not just reminding you of little daily activities. He's reminding you of everything that Jesus has said and done for you. Everything He's taught you. The most important thing He's going to remind you of is the fact that you are a brand new person created in christ jesus that you're a brand new person that god because of his infinite mercy and great love has crucified that old person you were in christ buried that person once and for all and raised up a brand new person you are a new creation And He's going to remind you of that over and over again. You see, all of that taken together is what Jesus meant when He said, My sheep hear My voice and they know Me. Why do they know Him? Because He's talking to you. And that brings us to another process that Paul talks about in that same context an assurance that he gives all of us. He says, if you're a child of God, if you belong to God, if you're His people and He's your God, then the Spirit of God is continually leading you. Continually. Day in and day out, the Spirit of God is leading you. But here's the problem. If we're honest with ourselves, we don't hear him, do we? We don't often see that. And there's a bunch of reasons for that, by the way. The first and greatest reason is that we don't hear the Spirit telling us where to go, what to do, what to say, etc. The first and greatest reason is if we don't believe that he's doing anything. We don't believe he's talking. See, I'm a little hard of hearing. I'm deaf in my left ear and can't hear out of my right. I'm a little hard of hearing. And if I don't think you're trying to talk to me, I won't hear you. If you don't think God is trying to talk to you, to teach you, guide you into all truth, remind you, you're not going to hear Him. So the first thing we have to do, like everything else in the New Covenant, we have to believe what He says is true. He says, if you're a child of God, the Spirit is constantly leading you. But then He contradicts or counteracts, rather, the second great reason we don't hear the Spirit. And that is because we're afraid of what He's going to tell us. See, when you've got this mindset of the law, you're afraid that what God wants to talk to you about will only condemn you. You're afraid that He's going to tell you to quit doing something you really like to do. Or He's going to tell you to start doing something you don't want to do. Right? So we don't listen to Him. No, if I don't listen to Him, then I can plead ignorance, right? I didn't know you want me to do that. Where does that come from? It comes from an innate fear of God. So he goes on to encourage us in this. He said, for you have not been given the spirit of of fear again to bondage. See, God's not going to talk to you in terms of a threat. I remember teaching a class one time guys were in recovery, advanced students. And I had them go out and journal, write down, so you guys go outside, take 10, 15 minutes, hear God talk to you, write it down, bring it back. And one old boy, he shared it. He said, well, this is what God told me. He said, this is my last chance. He said, he had brought me here to save me, and this is my last chance. If I screw this up, I won't ever get better." I said, God told you that, huh? Yeah, yeah, God told me that. I said, no, He didn't. Thank God. He ain't going to talk to you like that. He won't threaten you. You have not been given the spirit of bondage again to fear, but the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Now, what's the difference? The spirit of fear and bondage is law. The spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, is grace. Some of you have heard me say this experience that I had when I first adopted my daughter, Angela. Angela. got her home, got her into the house. And I began to realize at that point what the spirit of adoption really was. Holding that little 12-pound bald-headed Oriental girl in my arm. She had her days and nights mixed up. I distinctly remember what I wanted to do with her. I wanted to communicate to her how much I loved her.
1: I wanted to communicate
0: to her everything I planned to do for her. I wanted to communicate to her the comfort that I could offer her. I didn't want anything out of her. I didn't want her to get out and go wash my truck, do housework, clean up and do the dishes. No. That's not what I wanted to communicate to her. What I wanted to communicate to her was how much I loved her. That's the spirit of adoption. God wants to communicate to you how much He loves you as His adopted child in his family. So you've not received the spirit of fear again to bondage. When God talks to you, you're not going to be threatened. You're not going to either turn over a new leaf or get cursed, turn or burn. That doesn't come from God. That comes from the enemy, not God you have received the spirit of adoption. Whereby we cry, Abba, Aramaic word for Daddy, an intimate, loving relationship. Daddy, Father. We recognize how much He loves us. Now John said, First John, that we have to receive that love before we can actually love one another. Do you know that? In First John, I'm not going to take the time to go through all of it with you. I just want to close with this. In first John chapter four he said, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is God. And everyone that loves knows God is born of God and knows God. Now, the knowledge that he's talking about that he's promised to us here, knowledge of God, is what's required for us to be able to love one another. You knowing God, who is love, is what's needed. John said everyone that loves is A, born of God, and B, knows God. And I'm glad he said that. You know why? Because I know a lot of people that are born of God that don't love. And some, In fact, some of the meanest people I've ever known are religious people who are born of God. Did you know that? Yeah, they're mean. It reminds me of the bumper sticker I saw one time. Throw me to the lions. Don't throw me to the Christians. (laughs) Well, why? Why are they so mean? They're born of God, but they don't know God. That personal, intimate relationship with God that we've been talking about. That is promised. The second promise of the new covenant is that you can know God intimately and personally as your heavenly father you can know what love really is and when you realize that and receive that for yourself then and only then are you able to give that to others to know God is to be able to love others while the men are getting ready, we're going to observe communion here, which, by the way, has a direct tie-in with the New Covenant. And while you guys are getting ready to serve communion, I want to make this connection with you. Jesus fulfilled the New Covenant that was promised by Jeremiah thousands of years before. On the night before He was crucified, when He took the bread and the wine, he fulfilled that new covenant in the minds of His disciples. When He took that cup and said, this is the blood of the new covenant which is shed for remission of sins of many, He's saying, this is what God's going to do the next day as He hung on the cross and shed His blood, the new covenant. Now that blood that he shed didn't just run down off of him into the ground. No, no. He did something very special with that blood. We're going to be talking a lot about it later in chapter 9 of our study in Hebrews. That blood that he shed he took into the heavenlies and he sprinkled it on the mercy seat in the heavenlies where God forgave your sins. That's what we're going to talk about in our next promise. You see, the new covenant is the only way you can have a relationship with God. It's the only possible way through that new covenant of grace. God does for us what we can't do for ourselves. What's your part in it? The part is simple. Believe. Now I say it's simple to believe, but like I shared with you last time, what it normally takes for me to believe is I run out of everything else I can try to do. And I get in a corner, scrunched down like Paul when he said, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me? in the body of his death. And even though it's described simply, the experience of believing is when you come to the end of your rope. When you come to the end of your efforts to make yourself look good or feel good. When you come to the end and you say there is no other hope, then you're ready to believe God doing for you what you can't do for yourself. And the exercise of that faith is not just simply exercising your faith in the identity of Jesus. Like Peter did when he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He exercised his faith in who Jesus was. His true identity. And that faith is important because that faith in who Jesus is and was, is what causes us to be born again. It's what causes us to enter into a new supernatural lifestyle of grace. So it's by their faith, not by our actions, not by our activities, not by our works, not by our promises, that we are born of the Spirit. But that faith doesn't stop them when you were born of the Spirit. It's just beginning. Because at that time, that faith, the same faith, is what Paul referred to in Galatians chapter 2 as the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. What does that mean? It means every day you're going to have to believe two things. Number one, you're going to have to believe what God said He did to make you a brand new person. And number two, you're going to have to believe what God is telling you to do through His Spirit moment by moment, day by day, leading you and guiding you into all truth. You're going to have to trust His leadership in your life. So two great aspects of faith, and they go together. Who you are and what God is causing you to do. He's continually working in you, both to will and to do His good pleasure. So that night when Jesus introduced it, he took the cup and he blessed it. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant which is shed for the remission of sins of many. He says, I'm illustrating to you now something. And he took the bread and he'd broken it. He said, this is my body, which is being broken for you. You see, this blood was shed once and for all, sprinkled on the mercy seat in heaven, and it's what accomplishes the forgiveness of our sins. This bread was being broken into little little pieces. What does that mean? His body, that spiritual body broken into little pieces is what gives us the authority to say right now this group of people right here right now is the body of Christ. This group of people coming together right now is what God is doing to be Christ on this earth. Together, these two elements, he said, are a memory, a remembrance. And we do this in remembrance of him, which means this is a perpetual illustration of what Jesus does to fulfill the new covenant. When he busted, he gave it to them, I told them to eat and drink. Let's bust it. Father God, as we come to your presence right now, we thank you. We thank you for the blood and body of our Savior, Jesus. We thank you for the privilege we have of being joined inseparably to Him and to you. And we ask, Father, that you give us the grace right now to believe and receive what you have done for us in the new covenant. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you come and receive the elements, please? Thank you again for listening. If you want more access to Alpha Ministries teaching, you can like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and visit our website. All times and dates for services and other events are on our website listed in the show notes.